0: Welcome to Millennial 621. I'm Andrew.
1: I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela.
0: We have lots to talk about today, but we're going to start with our thoughts on what the hell J.K. Rowling was up to over the weekend. And we're actually joined by one of our longtime friends and a listener of the show. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back to Millennial.
2: Hey, I wish I was back under better circumstances, but happy to be here nonetheless. I
0: know. I know. Well, can you introduce yourself? Tell us what you do, and um, that'll explain why we brought you on to today's episode.
2: Yeah. Um, So I was on a couple of years ago talking about my dissertation data. Um, I do scholarship um, or study scholarship on LGBT stuff um, in the most recent couple of years, I have primarily worked with trans people in mental health care. Um, I've also done trainings for healthcare professionals on how to affirmatively and ethically work with trans folk um, and unique stressors that they face um, and uh, health expectations and stuff like that. So fun stuff. Very popular. <laughs> well, and
1: also, just to make sure that we're including the title in here, you are not just Sarah, you are Dr. Sarah. Dr. Sarah.
2: Yes, I am. Um, And so you can call me that if you want, but you guys only have to call me Sarah.
0: (laughs) We wanted to talk about J.K. Rowling's tweets and get Dr. Sarah's take on it. I'll just kind of walk everybody through what happened. So it was Saturday night. It was 10.30 p.m. her time over in London. I was sitting here, you know, trying to enjoy my day. And uh, J.K. Rowling shares a link to an article with the headline, Opinion, Creating a More Equal Post-COVID World for People Who Menstruate. She shares this link and she says, people who menstruate. I'm sure there used to be a word for these people. Someone help me out. Wumpin? Wimpund? Womud? And of course, people are like, well, there, J.K. Rowling goes again. She, she's getting worked up over this report using the word people instead of women, and it goes back to the fact that she's a turf. She starts getting inundated, you know, rip her mentions. People are pissed, rightfully. She, she goes on to say, I've spent much of the last three years reading books, blogs, and scientific papers by trans people, medics, and gender specialists. I know exactly what the distinction is. Never assume that because someone thinks differently, they have no knowledge. She also says, once she starts seeing the continued onslaught, I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. And that's important. We'll get to that in a second. But one more tweet. She says, If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth.
1: Ma'am, nobody asks you for your opinion on other people's right to exist. Shut the fuck
0: up. So, Dr. Sarah, can you please explain to us why this is wrong, what she said, and draw some distinctions and help people understand? Because... You know, a lot of us do understand why what J.K. Rowling is saying is wrong, but a lot of people still aren't grasping it and they think Mm -hmm. we're overreacting.
2: Yeah, Um, and that's very common. Uh, So let me start by making something very explicitly clear. J.K. Rowling's beliefs are directly murdering people. And for anyone who wants to pretend like her words don't matter, we are also the same people that said that her books changed our life. And her words did matter then, and they did save us then. And so we have to believe that they hold the same power now. She has so big of a platform. And only in 2020 already, we have seen 12 trans people murdered. And, you know, that number probably isn't even accurate because Mm -hmm. some people are misgendered when they are killed. It's not labeled a hate crime. There's lots of statistical errors that way. But think of that. Like, we're in June we spent half of the year when we should have all been staying in our homes and 12 people have been murdered. And so these thoughts are toxic. Um, And actually the night that JK Rowling posted all these things, like honestly 10 minutes after I read them, I was getting a message from a provider in Las Vegas asking for resources because one of their clients, their sibling committed suicide and they were trans. And so this is actively a problem and making the claim, I'm trying not to have my blood boil through this because, my God, mm. I'm, she is such an asshole. It is insane. But saying that you've done research for three years because you've read blogs, like, we saw what kind of blogs you read yeah. last week when you accidentally posted a quote from it. Yeah. Like reading transphobic publications and things that are not scientific is the same as when Donald Trump was talking about facts and alternate facts
0: right mm-hmm. It's
2: not true at all. There is no research that support- that supports what J.K. Rowling is saying, and if there was, like we would be having those conversations scientifically, not on Twitter.: <laughs> Yeah. And these beliefs being so rampant, like most of the time when I'm working with trans folk in mental health, they're coming in because of deep internalized transphobia. Mm -hmm. And ironically, like most of the time I'm having conversations about people not feeling welcome or feeling like they shouldn't belong in all women's spaces or, you know, other places that would be gender affirming. And so they know that like trans people internalize these messages and it is killing them. It is killing them by people murdering them. It is killing them by them hurting themselves. It is killing them financially by having to pay for my help. It is killing them by doctors not knowing how to treat them. Mm -hmm. They are dying all the time. And I don't give a fuck about her thinking that that infringes on her rights or her resources, which aren't limited.
0: Right.
1: I wanted to ask you if you could expand a bit Um, on this belief that jk rowling and to a larger extent the turf the trans exclusionary radical feminist community holds about thinking that transgender people somehow take rights and privileges away from cisgender women is that the correct terminology also
2: yes um well they think that they that's another thing too and i know that like daniel radcliffe uh Response has been widely supported. And honestly, his response has been the best of the Harry Potter people that have said stuff. But transmasculine people are included in this and they are often erased. Um, and so a lot of this just has to do with misogyny and sexism all around. Um, but yes, we are talking about cisgender women because we don't really have all men's spaces, the world and you know, planet Earth is an all-men space. so we are talking about cis women. Um, and this is common. We talk about this with gay rights. We talk about this with race. Any look to get anyone looking to get equality is seen as asking for special rights and special, you know, like access to things that other people don't get. And that's false and that is used in order to shut people up before they can even start talking. There is lots of very common turf language that, people say in order to pretend like they aren't being transphobic Um, and so something that's very common and if you looked through JK Rowling's replies I don't recommend that but if you did you would have seen people making the comparison of like I don't care if you're a fish I don't care if you're this that's transphobic like that is not how identity works and I have had parents in my office in front of their trans children say those exact words and those Thoughts that identity is that flippant is false we understand scientifically that gender is understood by the age of four like there is nothing as universally and extremely policed as gender i mean think about like all of what we know about uh, like gender reveal parties now taught like babies outfits everything is gendered and To understand scientifically that this is known and internalized at four, like, we don't know anything at four, Mm -hmm. but we still know gender at four.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And J.K. Rowling seems to be deliberately implying that that, you know, trans people and the people who support them don't understand the difference between sex and gender and that people are asked, like, saying that they can change sex. Could you elaborate more on that? Because I know that there is science behind this as well.
2: Yeah. So we understand scientifically that sex is not just a binary. It's not even a binary in other countries. And, I mean, all of you, like, on the panel that we're talking with, how many of you know what your chromosomes are? How many of you know what your hormone levels are? I know that I don't. Nope. Like, any one of us could not be, you know, quote unquote, biologically male or female. We could be intersex. We could have low estrogen or low testosterone or high estrogen or high testosterone. It is a spectrum and it is always been a spectrum. And we are not looking to change all of that. Every medical intervention that is used for trans folk existed before, not before trans folk, but before it was used purposefully for medical transition hormone blockers for uh, prepubescent children that was used for, uh, especially as uh, diet started to change in America, there would be like young people that we assumed were girls and probably were girls um, that would go on that because they were starting menstruation too early. There are tons of people that either when they're in menopause or at different points within their life need extra testosterone or extra estrogen birth control was used, like all of these things exist medically, because everyone has hormones, everyone needs to have them balanced. Everyone needs to work through all of this. It's not just this quick process to, you know, you're a man, and this happens, or you're a woman, and this happens. Everyone's bodies are different.
0: One of her core arguments, and this is getting to what we're saying, is that she seems to be offended that people who are transitioning into being women don't have the same experiences as other women do. For example, the periods. Mm-hmm. What gets me about it, nobody is coming for her rights. Nobody's invalidating her rights. Nobody's <laughs> invalidating her experiences as a women as a woman. And by transitioning, mm-hmm. they're not attacking you. Nothing's changing about your lived experience as yeah. a woman.
2: No no one's attacking JK Rowling in general. Like she can go by her own island if she wants.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
2: absolutely. It's also very telling that when we like what was rampant on social media was people saying that trans women are women. Like trans men were included in this. Trans men do menstruate. There are lots of times testosterone does not mm-hmm. always end your menstruation. It does not always make you infertile. I have had trans men who have given birth. I have had multiple trans men who have had their periods either long term or there has been an issue with hormone levels or different points and that is part of this and I remember like last time when I was on the show I was talking a lot about queer theory um, and this is exactly what Foucault was talking about of a lot of times pride in something is you know using the oppressor's tools in order to stay away from the actual power like who. Who benefits? Like, we don't care about menstruation ever. Mm -hmm. If any person who has a uterus who has to get gynecological care, we understand that no one gives a fuck about menstruation. And so, what resources exactly are we talking about? What rights are we talking about? Like, men and people who we are perceiving and talking about within that power structure
0: Mm -hmm.
2: are out of this conversation and they're still holding the power. So I don't understand why we're falling for this trap of what limited resources there are of menstruation or defining womanhood in this way, because it's just, it's asinine. No, no one pays attention to this.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and I'll you, you know, I just, <laughs> there's no singular womanhood experience. I mean, my experience mm-hmm. as A woman living in the American South is entirely different from the experience of a woman living in a different social structure than I am on the other side of the planet. Mm -hmm. Like no one person gets
3: to claim (laughs) uh, a cookie cutter version
1: of what womanhood is.
3: Plus Mm -hmm. there are like there's this woman that don't get periods anyway right like mm-hmm. me yeah see? i don't get a period so, so am then, I like, not a woman are you less a woman for <laughs> right. that regardless of you know how you identify
0: jk rowling hates you laura <laughs> <laughs> apparently
2: <laughs> yeah menstruation i mean endometriosis is i'm pretty sure like one of the most mi- like misdiagnosed and under uh like when someone presents in, like, the ER with that, like, no one gives a fuck about that. And endometriosis is a huge problem that lots of people with uterus have. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right, Laura. Like, there is no one singular experience. The only caveat that I will say for J.K. Rowling and for the, like, TURF arguments, I think there there could be a discussion about... The way we socialize men and women, like that does create different experiences. And when I work with trans people, like they know that being socialized as female is very different from being socialized as male. But once again, the women-only spaces, why don't we just stop fucking doing that? Mm-hmm. And if we don't raise our children in such gendered ways that fall within to patriarchal expectations. We don't need women only spaces to talk about our oppression because it won't be there in the same way that it is. And so once again it's just it's completely ludicrous what she's talking about yeah. and mm-hmm. she she has too big of a platform to be this much of an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's loudly. irresponsible.
0: It's irresponsible, yeah. it's hurtful, it's extremely dangerous, like Sarah said when she first got on the phone. Uh, I just don't understand what is going through her head anymore. Um, There was a piece in the Washington Post a couple days ago. There was a point in there kind of related to the discussion that we're having right now. I'll just read one paragraph. Rowling's fear of erasure is similar to the most common argument put forth by detractors of same-sex marriage five years ago. If gay people were allowed to marry, the argument went, then somehow it would render these detractors' own heterosexual marriages meaningless. Pre-marriage yeah. is legal. What happened? It didn't affect any straight marriages. Y'all kept divorcing at the same rates you always did. So, I, you know, and this this is the same thing that's that's happening here. Uh, and J.K. Rowling, I think a lot of people are chalking it up to her being in her fifties. She's from a previous generation. She's just never gonna get it. And but,
2: but she could. And like, there are tons of people that are older that do get it. And I was thinking about this, too, especially because, you know, it, it, it's been very weird for the past few days because, you know, the day after all these tweets, I was already running an uh, ethics training for trans folks. And I actually ended up, like, DMing with Arthur Levine, which was
0: Whoa, fucking Whoa, that's cool. That's the American editor of the Harry Potter books. Good for you. Yeah, I
2: was not expecting that. I was just on Twitter yelling at Turks, being mad. <sighs> And um, I appreciated. he did respond to JK. Rowling, but he used some language that wasn't affirmative that made it what he was saying was that when trans women medically transition, then they are women. And I was like, "You do not need to medically transition." And he responded and he owned up to it, and he was like, "You're going to right. Wow. I would love to learn more. Aww. I sent him resources.
0: Um, I love but it's that. been interesting
2: because I've had lots of different avenues of You know, typically when I do trainings with professionals and healthcare workers, I'm allowed to expect them to read academic articles. No one wants to do that. And so I don't expect that of, you know, everyone else when trying to learn Mm them. And quite honestly, the thing that is most beneficial is just to be inclusive with your media. Like there are shows that include trans folks there are books written for or about trans folks. Like if you are intentionally trying to have your world be inclusive, that's kind of all we're asking. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not quite the same as other, other issues such as like racism and all the anti-racism literature that we're talking about. There's not the same generational trauma. Like queer history can be learned and queer history is intertwined with trans knowledge and understanding this but you don't have to follow all that in order to know what words to use and what words not to
0: use
2: mm-hmm. and you know i pam hopefully you agree with this i'm usually effective to watch one day at a time that's not a hard thing you should be doing that anyway
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so you know i i see one person in our discord you know not under not grasping the whole situation i won't mention them by name i don't want to call them out but it's hurtful. These comments are hurtful because she's attacking people who are in a vulnerable position. And you can't say, I don't know how this is hurtful. If you're not one of the people that they're attacking, it's just that simple.
2: Yeah. And, and to be like, she's talking about the limited resources. The only limited resource is me and other providers that trans folks go to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I'm doing ethics trainings, I discuss a lot for people that are newer to working with trans folks. A lot of times it doesn't really feel like therapy because you are just like there with someone and you should never have to pay someone to treat you like you're a person. You should never need to do that. Mm-hmm. And my goal and how we will know that this stuff isn't hurting people anymore, quote unquote, I don't have a job. Please remove my job. I don't want to work another day in my life for this. Right now, I have too extreme of job security, and I hate it. So that's what we're working towards. Mm. We're working towards making me unemployed.
0: Mm. J.K. Rowling hasn't said anything since Saturday, like Sarah mentioned. Uh, Dan Radcliffe came out against this, Ivana Lynch, Chris Rankin, a couple of others. The Wizarding World social media channels haven't posted a thing since J.K. Rowling's tweets, and that's been kind of entertaining for me to watch. I'm curious how long they're going to stay silent. I'm not expecting them to make a statement, but they're laying low until this blows over. We'll see if J.K. Rowling says anything else. I feel like Dan Radcliffe made that statement because he saw what happened in December Hoped that she may have learned her lesson after the backlash, kept his mouth shut then, then saw, here we are in June. She still hasn't she still feels the need to spout this stuff. That's the problem. It's like JK Rowling. You're JK Rowling. Why do you need to go on Twitter on a Saturday night at ten thirty PM and start tweeting these things during Pride Month when all these other awful things are also going on in the world right now? Like fuck off, get a life. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah
2: it really it It also tells a lot about what she thinks about black people too
0: yeah
1: (laughs) right i was gonna say it felt like there you know there's a global pandemic that is sort of the backdrop of 2020 and then we have all of this shit happening in the u.s it has it has touched countries around the world where people are having protests to support black americans and it kind of felt like she was thinking, eh, I'm not getting enough attention right now. <laughs>
0: right. <It's>, there isn't <laughs> enough wrong in the world right now. Let me add a little more into the mix. <laughs> so I my impression is that Team J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers, it's, all, it's always been a, a yes ma'am situation with J.K. Rowling. They can't tell her what to do because she created Harry Potter. She's the reason a lot of them have jobs. And in Team J.K. Rowling, she is the sole reason. So back in December, people couldn't go and say, hey, Joe, you know, this was really messed up. You, you shouldn't say this. This is hurtful to your fans. And now here we are again. And people are probably afraid to uh, talk her off the ledge again. Maybe not, though. I, I don't know. Somebody needs to talk to her. I don't look stick with your opinion. Fine. But stop spouting it on Twitter. You don't need to hurt more people. Like you know, we all have opinions we deem inappropriate to air on social media, and you should too. Just because you're one of the most successful authors in history doesn't mean you can go and and spew whatever you want to the public, not thinking about the ramifications of that. Not just for your fans, but for the rest of your team. You know, for people who grew up on your books and mm-hmm. uh, really instilled the messages you taught us in them.
1: Also, I mean, when you're clearly somebody who's not well informed. And you're trying to pass as somebody who is like, yeah. I I am mm-hmm. still learning in this, in, in this realm. I mean, Sarah has a PhD, like that goes to show how deep this is and how much care and attention needs to be devoted to it. And we're all trying to ask a lot of questions and to be really intentional. We're not always going to get it right. Yeah. In fact, we haven't gotten it right before. We've made mistakes in the past. But she's not
3: even trying to be better. And you would think with so many people, like, there's a reason why there's backlash. And for her not to realize that and just stick to her guns on this is is really sad.
0: And we didn't get into this, but she was also bullying fans on Twitter. I mean, she was making these Mm -hmm. petty ass clapbacks that weren't even clapbacks they didn't make sense no
2: they were very childish
0: yeah and one person tweeted her please go talk to queer people she quotes that she says one of my butch lesbian friends called me i couldn't hear what she said other than fuck yeah Like your butch lesbian friend is calling you at eleven p.m. on a Saturday because you tweeted some turf viewpoints. Like, yeah,
3: but it's also kind of telling that she felt the need to classify that it wasn't just a lesbian friend, but a butch
1: lesbian friend.
3: That it was literally like the equivalent
1: of some of my best friends are black, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, this gay person agrees with me, so shouldn't all gay people? And And within within turf language,
2: like they're. Is a lot of people who are turfs that are lesbians like that is a huge active problem, and you know lesbians we have a lot of problems that we face societally, so it's unfortunate that we have these internal problems as well, but yeah, like that is something that it, for people that understand like what she is doing wrong, it just furthered it. She just keeps digging herself deeper, and she's not stopping and the I wish that I trusted her to learn. She's proven to me that she is unteachable and I'm not going to waste any breath trying to like wait for her to change. We have the power to remove her platform. Like we gave it to her. We can take it and we can start by not buying any official Harry Potter merchandise, including books. I mean, we can get them secondhand anywhere or at the library. We already all own them. Right. And so we cannot see the stupid Fantastic Beasts movies that are coming out. Like, she has already proven time and time again that she just doesn't give any fucks about almost any diversity. Like, the books aren't diverse. We, she has already had issues with the uh, crimes of Grindelwald and, like, making Bikini a woman of color that then becomes the pet of a Nazi. She doesn't care and they aren't going to stop. And so we can do what we can to not remove all her power. Obviously people are still going to listen to her. They're still going to, you know, learn or not learn at whatever pace they want to. But the Harry Potter fandom is very large and we have done a lot without her. And we can just keep removing it and keep bringing it to ourselves Mm -hmm. and not listen to a thing she says anymore.
1: In today's episode of After Dark, we're going to talk about reckoning with this as Harry Potter fans and and how we want to try and exist in the fandom moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah, you you touched on this um, in your most recent answer, but I'm wondering, do you think that there is any circumstance, anything that J.K. Rowling could do at this point to redeem herself?
2: To redeem herself, no. She could become neutral if she donated most of her money to activism of all forms that she has made money abusing, and so that would include to trans organizations. It would include to racial organizations. It would include to you know. Uh, I feel like it's haven't been talked about a lot on like on full blast, but she is very fatphobic in her books. She is very she has a lot of isms that she has difficulty with. And so if she wanted to neutralize her issues, I think that that's the only thing she can do. And I don't see her doing it.
0: Well, I think she would also have to tell us that she's educated herself and she's changed her views on some things in particular. And then she would have to write using her very talented writing skills, a very heartfelt letter to the community explaining what she did and why she's changing. And what she's learned.
2: I think that that's true. I do think, and this has been said a lot because again, everything's on fire right now. And so I know that there's been a lot of discussion on social media in particular about in order to be like anti-racist, anti-whatever-ism it is, whatever phobia it is, you have to be okay with some people never being okay with you. J.K. Rowling has hurt people tremendously without caring. And I think that it is, Very reasonable to expect that some people are never going to trust her again, or some people's lives have already been affected to the point where she can't ever redeem herself for them. And if she truly wants to be an ally to them, she has to be okay with them not trusting her. Yeah, that's what allyship is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I
0: I think at this point, I'm gonna have a very hard time, and I think a lot of the fandom is going to have a very hard time forgiving her. I don't think. I don't think there's any going back at this point. And I wouldn't have said that back in December because what she did over this past weekend is she doubled down. She didn't learn anything from what happened in December. And now we're like, how could we ever trust you again? People were over her in December. Some people wanted to hope that maybe she would change, but she clearly has not. And at this point, I'm not convinced she will. And I'm definitely not convinced she will authentically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't trust. I know that I won't trust her ever again.
0: <laughs> I understand completely, Sarah. You are the best. Thank you for explaining all that to us. Mm-hmm. You're a gem, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Yeah, I'm sure, and I'll listen to the rest of the show. Great. <laughs> yeah, have a fun talking about everything else that's going Thank on. Thank <laughs> you. We are
0: going to try to have fun in in a couple different ways.
2: Thank you for your expertise. Yeah, of course. I am happy to help. Please, I hope I'm never needed again, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we mentioned After Dark. It is available on our Patreon. And this week, we actually hit another milestone number of patrons, which was very exciting. And we're going to celebrate by donating $700 to the Emergency Release Fund, whose mission is to ensure that no trans person at risk of injury or death in New York City jails remains in detention before trial. We are going to talk about the protests over the past week, but we're going to try to put a good spin on it because we're going to talk about what these protests have done, the changes that are in the middle of being made. It's really nice to see that these protests are working. We're also going to talk about love in the time of Corona. First, we have a new sponsor on the show this week who I'm excited to tell you about because I've been using this with my parents in recent months and I'm really loving the results This week's sponsor is StoryWorth, and they're here just in time for Father's Day. Finding the perfect present for dad is tough, especially if I don't have the luxury of celebrating Father's Day together in person. That is definitely the situation I'm in, and I know that more than anything, parents cherish spending time with family. That's why I'm giving my dad the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to connect with loved ones through StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way to engage with family, especially with relatives you might not get to see often. And I don't see my family often at all because I'm far away from them. This online service helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's the gift of spending time together wherever you live. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask, like, what have been some of your life's greatest surprises? And what's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? And other questions about the earlier years of their lives that you weren't there for. What's cool is that StoryWorth will email you the answers that your parents wrote to the questions, and then you get to read them on your own time. But the best part is that after the first year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and photo you choose to include into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. My family is going to treasure this book forever. As we grow up, we lose our family members and we might think, why didn't I talk to them more? I don't know as much of their backstory as I would like. This collects those backstories, and then puts them into a physical book so you can hold on to those memories forever. I just love it. That's what's so exciting about StoryWorth. They're helping you get your parents to write down memories about their life, and you don't have to do any work. <laughs> you just sign up, put in their email address, and you're set. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com M-I-L-L. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash M-I-L-L for $10 off. The perfect gift for Father's Day. All right. So protests have been going on across the country, right, Laura?
1: Yeah. And a a point that I've seen pretty commonly raised by folks who don't understand why the protests are happening, um, as well as people who are actively against protesting is, well, what? What are you going to get out of this? Where are you going to get out of these demonstrations that in some cases might devolve into other activities that, you know, people who don't understand aren't in favor of And I've got some answers for you. There have been some developments over the last couple of weeks of sustained protesting happening nationwide. First and foremost is that um, the Minneapolis or Minneapolis announced on Sunday that it is dismantling its police department.
0: Dang. Yeah.
1: City council voted to dismantle that. And there's been a lot of talk about defunding the police and what that movement means. And I am by no means an expert in the nitty gritty of this, but I did want to provide just a very brief explanation of what this means. Um, So defunding the police is shorthand for a divest and invest model in which you divest money from local and state police budgets and reinvest it into communities, mental health services, and social service programs. Um, This makes sense because the Minneapolis City Council talked about how An overwhelming majority, three quarters of their calls to to the police came from people who needed mental health services or needed some kind of community or social service assistance, not somebody who needed an armed officer Mm -hmm. to show up at the scene. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll have further discussions about this because Minneapolis is not the only city that has considered this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I just wanted to put that out there because there's a lot of rhetoric going around saying, oh, the left wants to get rid of the police and then there will never be any law enforcement in your community again and your community will just get like pillaged and destroyed. No, that's a that's... perfect
0: talking point for Trump. It's, yeah. it's right out of oh, his that's play- what he's using. Yeah, it's right out of his playbook for illegal immigration. You know, all these people coming over and it's going to be crazy out on your towns. People are going to come for your families. Um, One example that's been brought up a lot is Camden, New Jersey, and Mm -hmm. the rules in their new playbook emphasize that de-escalation has to come first. And since rebooting their police force in 2014, reports of excessive force complaints in Camden went down 95% since 2014. So there are a lot of things that work. I know there's a lot of questions here. And, you know, on his face, defunding the police sounds scary, but it's not just closing down the police. And that's the end of that.
1: Additionally, um, Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, um, his murder charge has been upgraded. And the three officers that stood there and watched it happen without intervening um, have also been charged with aiding and abetting second degree unintentional murder. Um, L.A. has also announced that they are reducing the police operating budget and diverting those funds into social and community services. Dallas has announced that it's adopting a duty to intervene policy. Um, it's not clear on what uh, it's not clear as to what the, the penalty is for not intervening if you see a police peer using excessive force. Um, but this is something that they've put on the books for the first time. Um we also saw, I'm sure many of us saw on social media last week, um the DC mayor approved a name change for the street that leads up to the White House. It is now called Black Lives Matter Plaza Northwest. Mm-hmm. And it has a Black Lives Matter mural painted down it. So when you see Gigantic. Um yeah, it's huge. When you see a bird's eye view, of the White House and Black Lives Matter Plaza going up to it you can't miss it it's
0: perfect like the satellite yep. view it just Black Lives Matter leads right into the White House <laughs> that must mm-hmm. be driving trump nuts I'm sure it is way to go mayor bowser <laughs> coolest last name ever <laughs>
1: additionally confederate monuments across the country are coming down it's given me such joy to see these things vandalized. <laughs> like it, there's there's nothing more deserving of vandalization than Confederate monuments. Um, many of them are coming down, um, including a rather large one in Virginia. So that's, that's a good thing. And then uh, I see a couple more here. Andrew, I think you pinpointed these changes yeah, so believe
0: it or not confederate flags were still allowed on navy ships aircraft submarines etc those are now going to be banned don't know what took them so long
1: which is fucking hilarious because it's that is literally representative of treason <laughs>
0: <laughs> we treason love flag. treason <laughs> <laughs> no i don't yeah i don't know it's bizarre and also now uh, Mitch McConnell said he asked Senator Tim Scott to lead a group that is working on a proposal to allow them to respond to racial discrimination. Now, OK, nice ish that Mitch is apparently doing something, but he's also up for reelection this year. So he has to do something. And it looks like kind of a t- tight race, dare I say? There was a new pullout mm-hmm. today that said him and his competitor were neck and neck. So, yep. Yeah. So he's got to do something. Ugh. Let's ditch Mitch. At least he's doing this. I don't know. I don't want to give him credit for anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. The yeah. GOP says that they're coming up with their own um, police oversight bill mm-hmm. or something, legislation. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll believe it when I see it. And um, it's, I imagine it's going to be a lot of lip service, um, so not feeling super confident there. We also wanted to provide a correction. Last week, I stated that Brianna Taylor had been killed recently within the last couple of weeks. She was actually killed in the middle of March, and that story only gained national notoriety within the last couple of weeks. So, um, another example is similar to Ahmed Arbery. Um, who was murdered in February, and we didn't get the video until late April, early May, and that was when a lot of us became aware of that. So just another example of that. Um, We also wanted to make some space to talk about um, the shooting of Tony McDade. Um, Tony was a trans man living in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, Police shot and killed him. They claimed that he was... um, pointing a gun at them there's an eyewitness account that disputes that um so that that's the latest that i'm aware of on that front um but it's been really frustrating reading over the coverage on that because tony has been misgendered so many fucking times and you know i think sarah highlighted for us earlier on why that is so damaging um not to affirm someone's existence and identity.
0: Also, we had a couple emails here. We got this confessional. I'm not unfriending my racist right-wing family, and I feel so guilty. I've unfriended a lot of the far right outside of my family, but I like seeing pictures of my family and my cousin's kids. My husband and I grew up in the South from two different states, so my feed is littered with ignorance and hate over everything. Oh, God, I can't imagine Everyone is telling me on the left that I'm a terrible person for not cutting these people out of my life, but I just can't. I get it. You want to see the kids? My brother-in-law loves Trump to death, but he's got some cute kids, and they're my nephews, so I keep them around in my Facebook feed. Um, The thing, my recommendation is just unfollow. Remain friends so you can check in when you want, but unfollow so that stuff's not appearing in your feed. Then your feed's going to get a lot cleaner. And when you're in a better place, when you're ready to dive into somebody's profile so you can see those kids' photos, uh, just type in their name and you can still look at their profile and they won't know that you unfollowed them. That's kept private.
1: I would also say it's very important to make sure they know where you stand. You know, Obviously, we can't police our relatives' Facebook and social media speech, um, but we can make sure that they know that we're not about it. Um in my personal life I have I have a lot of relatives like this too. Um but they're in two camps. There's one camp that wouldn't shut the fuck up and kept being blatantly racist and they're no longer I'm no longer connected to them on any social media. The other camp learned that it's not acceptable and they can be shitty ass racist whatever but they don't put that out into the world obviously that's not an ideal solution because ideally nobody would think these thoughts but it's just not realistic you're not like you yourself are not responsible for eliminating racism in your family Um, but i would say that you are responsible for making your position known And not letting family members feel like they can get away with saying racist shit in front of you just because, you know, you might feel a little passive about confronting it. Um, I've definitely had family members where I've just been like, hey, you don't need to say that around me, you know, and some of those folks, like I said, we're not friends anymore. (laughs)
0: Pam, can you read the next email? And this email is in response to the racial bias test that we took in last week's episode of After Dark.
3: Sure. This one comes from Chris, who says, I am a doctoral level clinical psychology student in Kentucky. And psychological tests are a huge part of our training. We spoke at length about IATs in several of our classes, and in light of the protests across the country, I felt it was important to point out a limitation in these types of assessments. These tests, like Laura stated, do measure automatic preferences. However, the results can be artificially inflated based on the respondent's familiarity with the subject being measured. For example, an activist who is well-versed in racial issues is very likely to score high on racial biases because they are familiar with the content which impacts their response time and flags their automatic preferences as being higher than they actually might be. All that to say, again, like Laura said, it does not measure racism, but it also may not only measure the automatic preferences, but also familiarity with the subject. As people thankfully begin to educate themselves on institutional and systemic racism and, and injustice, I also feel I also felt it was important to call out limitations of psychological assessments and provide facts for those who are trying to better themselves.
1: Thank you, Chris. We really appreciate your
0: expertise. So Laura mentioned some protests and the K pop stands have been using their social media powers for good. Pam, tell us about that. These K pop fans. Man, they are diehard. We cover BTS on Hypeable uh, because they help boost our traffic numbers. (laughs) They're very passionate (laughs) and and they're always searching. for, For
3: very good reason. I'm sure that everybody that's on Twitter or probably any social media platform, but specifically Twitter is well aware of you know, how active this particular fandom is on that platform. And just for funsies, I thought it might be cool if you guys wanted to take a crack at guessing how many tweets they collectively posted in 2019.
0: Five billion?
3: Close. I don't feel like
1: I'm educated enough on this topic (laughs) to venture a guess. Crazy
0: people who never stop tweeting. And I say crazy with love. On
3: Twitter, but on crack. Yeah. Um, I'll say, uh, 8 billion. Okay, it's right in between. They, um, clocked in (laughs) 6.1 billion global tweets in 2019, and that was up 15% from the year prior, according to Twitter's year-end roundup. So they are officially, like, the group that tweeted most about the thing that they love. Uh, So They
0: they almost tweet as much as J.K. Rowling does.
3: (laughs) You know, maybe they should come after her next. (laughs) So... They decided to uh, use their poll on Twitter for good. And last week, they all got together and uh, they started flooding these hashtags that were opposing the Black Lives Matter movement. So um, they took over hashtags like... White Out Wednesday, White Lives Matter, and Blue Lives Matter, and then just started flooding them with pictures of memes and fan cams and more content from their favorite groups instead in an effort to drown out the hate. And it worked because like <laughs> if you were on any of these hashtags, all you saw was K pop content. So
0: That's really uh, funny.
3: That yeah, that worked out really well. That sounds uh, like a lot of
0: fun. You just just trash some hashtags with pictures of your favorite people like you're I would totally do that with with Bruce stuff.
3: And some of the (laughs) tweets were really funny. It's like the only blue life that matters to me is like this guy's blue hair, you know, so they (laughs) definitely had fun with it. Um, They didn't stop with social media. They also successfully crashed the Dallas Police Department's app. On uh, this last Sunday, when the Dallas PD took to Twitter and asked people to send in video footage of any illegal activity they saw from the protests. And so they started sending videos to that, too. And the app shut down that afternoon. And in a statement that they later released, the Dallas PD claims that they have no idea what the malfunction was caused by. But we all know what's up, so that was pretty
0: funny. <laughs> Some as <well>. K-pop people <laughs> came for our app,
3: and uh, they've they've also made efforts to do the same. When the FBI tweeted asking for tips about violence um, in like illegal activity videos, and I think they did it with one other police department as well. So they're on a roll, and that's your heartwarming <laughs> protest story of the day.
0: That is great.
3: Yeah,
1: I will say I was actually watching a uh, dad last week, so Barack Obama. Um, Joined with other community leaders to talk about how we move forward from here in response to um, police brutality. And during that, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see hashtag Blue Lives Matter trending. And I was like, oh, man, are we fucking serious now during dad? (laughs) People are doing this. I click on it. And it's all at least what I saw. Environmentalism. Like, Blue Lives Matter, save the
0: oceans. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's a great way to take back Blue Lives Matter. Save the oceans.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There was some um, discourse about whether or not this was actually helpful, even though, you know, it it was kind of heartwarming to click on there and see that it, it wasn't what you might thought it would be. Uh, only because there's some people that are arguing that, you know, they they got these hashtags trending anyway, even though they were trying to do something good. And maybe that's not the best way to go about it. But just goes to show you there's not one right way to protest. <sighs>
1: yeah,
0: you no, got to get
3: creative
1: these days. <laughs> and also, I think those hashtags would have trended anyway. And at the very least, these groups prevented them from being flooded with hate. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. such a
3: good point. Um. So... There there are a couple other examples of people getting super creative when it comes to, you know, making their stance heard on this issue. Uh, Laura mentioned the huge Black Lives Matter uh, street mural that goes down the road out in D.C. Uh, That's actually inspired a couple of different cities across the nation to do the same. So we're seeing murals of a similar nature out in Raleigh, North Carolina and also out in California and Sacramento and Oakland. Um, And then. Last week at a protest in D.C., there was also a Maryland-based singer that led protesters in a Lean on Me sing-along right in front of the White House. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not all, you know, violence, although there is a lot of that. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important to just remember that there are a lot of people that go out there and, you know, they're not trying to start anything. Right. Yeah. And that's the
1: vast majority of people. 100%.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I also wanted to bring up Babygate. So Trump is um, really scared of protesters coming to the White House. So they erected this uh, temporary fencing all the way around the White House. Mind you, the White House already has a fence. Right. Um, but they, <laughs> they put another, a couple more. <laughs> they put another one up.
0: Oh, man. Um,
1: and people have started hanging their protest art on it, which is just like... I love that. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, he also went down to his bunker. One night, so this has inspired people to start calling him Bunker Bitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the crazy part about that was that somebody asks him, did you go down to the bunker? And he didn't lie. He said, yes, but only for an inspection. It's like, dude, how stupid do you think we are? You're going down to the bunker to inspect it on a Friday night or whatever night it was. Like, no, you went down there because the secret in, in fairness, the Secret Service recommended that he go down there. And didn't Joe Biden tweet that, like, Brock and I never went down there and he yep. heard that there were cobwebs because nobody ever goes down there. I love that so much. But bunker bitch had to go down there. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad Trump finally completed a wall. It was around the White House, but he did complete a wall, And Mexico definitely didn't pay for it. It's time for a word from our second sponsor of the week. Raycon, they are back to sponsor this week's episode of Millennial. They make excellent wireless earbuds that are much more affordable than other premium competitors. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. At first, we were all skeptical about these being the future. But they are game changers when you find a pair that fit great in your ears. But the problem is you get shopping around and you may find that most wireless headphones are too expensive. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet, with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, they are perfect for conference calls, binging podcasts, doing chores around the house, taking a walk outside. Whatever you are doing, Raycon can be there with you. I have a pair of Raycons, and I can confirm that they fit wonderfully in my ears, and not all of these do. The sound quality is great, and I love that they come in different colors. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com M-I-L-L. That's buyraycon.com M-I-L-L for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com M-I-L-L. All right. So another thing we wanted to talk about today, we haven't really touched on coronavirus this week. (laughs) We're all tired of it, right? No more masks. Whatever. It's over. Um, It's not over.
1: It's not. It's not
0: at (laughs) all. But dating in the time of coronavirus.
1: Yeah. So we had definitely talked about hookup culture in the time of coronavirus, and we asked some of y'all to tell us what your hookup life was looking like in the middle of quarantine. But we decided this week we wanted to look at love. In the time of Corona, specifically for those of you who either just met somebody right at the beginning of the pandemic here in the U.S. at least, um, or those of you who've been trying to sustain newer relationships during this time. And we got some great experiences that we want to share from our Facebook group. Um, The first one's from Christina. Christina says, my fiance and I started dating in September, moved in together in my car in October got an apartment in November, and got engaged in December, all 2019. Christina says, we ended up on quarantine together a couple months later, and now we're both unemployed and spending a lot of time camping while we job hunt. It's been interesting, to say the least.
0: (laughs) Well, you definitely said the least, because I want to hear more about (laughs) what makes it so interesting.
3: (laughs) Isabel says, it's difficult because you have to figure out how long to wait until meeting each other and whether it's worth the risk. Normal dates are thrown out the window. No coffee or dinner dates at restaurants. We've had a long phone conversation uh, before quarantine, but would be considered coming on too strong. And at the beginning, before we met in person, we would watch movies together on Disney Plus and over Discord. You'd end up going to each other's homes quicker than you normally would and hope your instinct that they aren't a serial murderer are correct. (laughs) Living life on the edge.
1: Such a good point, Um, because I hear about a lot of couples who don't live together, who are basically like co-quarantining where they're not living together, but they are the only people outside of their household that they see. Mm -hmm. I know a couple who's doing this right now. Um, And that's got to be weird if you're just getting to know somebody and you're like the safest way for me. To hang out with that person is to go to their house, yeah, which is normally not what any what I think any of us would recommend,
0: yeah, no, I guess you have to be extra cautious, maybe bring some pepper spray or bring a gun, or like oh, let, let it... tell,
3: tell your friend where you're going, tell somebody yeah. where you're going, oh, I'm not gonna
1: lie back when I was in the game, I would uh share my location with a good friend, yeah. And be like, hey, I'm going on a date, thinking it's going to be about this long. I'm going to touch him with you at this time. If I don't, I'm
3: dead. <laughs> Call the police. I've definitely done that before.
0: <laughs> the thing is, other than the safety, I totally get that, especially if it's somebody new. If it's somebody maybe you've been talking to for a while, I don't really see the harm in going over to that, that person's place during coronavirus if you've already met them before. This is YOLO Andrew talking, but what are the chances that both of you have coronavirus if you both have been quarantined?
1: I think as long as it's someone that you trust, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. about their quarantine and you've both been following all the guidelines, I think it's probably pretty low risk. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I can't claim to know that for sure. But it's certainly not as risky as a lot of the activities that people are taking part in right now that they think that this is done.
0: This next one's from Sarah. I started dating this guy in March who I met online. We were still in the getting to know each other, not quite ready for first date yet. We have FaceTimed a few times and have been texting pretty much every day. But now I feel like, are we ever going to meet in person? I'm not quite comfortable going over to his apartment yet.
1: Oh, my God. It's like love is blind.
0: (laughs) I could not do a date over FaceTime because you keep seeing yourself in the corner and I'd be just staring at myself the whole time like I do while I'm podcasting, while I'm doing this show. Like you guys notice I adjust my hair 50,000 times while we're recording. That would be me while FaceTiming on the date because I want to make sure I look perfect. And I would actually probably require these dates be conducted over Zoom because it has the touch up my face feature. FaceTime doesn't have that and that damn front facing camera is really good quality. (laughs)
3: But there's no no touch-ups in real life, so you might as well just show them what they're going to get. But
0: but at least I can't see myself in real life without walking around with a mirror. (laughs)
1: Uh, If only Zoom made a real-life touch-up my appearance. Will says, I had a first date right before everything hit the fan and shut down, and we were already considering long distance while I finished up my master's program, so we did a bunch of Zoom dates and Animal Crossing dates. It's a lot slower than it would have been otherwise. I don't see either of us considering saying I love you anytime soon, for example. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I feel Animal like there's- Animal Crossing dates. That sounds so <laughs> cute. <laughs> that so is cute. So cute. But I guess you're still talking over the phone at the same time because it's impossible to type messages in Animal Crossing. You can, it's possible. Right. It's just very tedious.
1: I just like how in Animal Crossing you can show off something and it'll be like, ta da! And you're like, hold up a fucking fish or a fossil or something. Like it's something to be proud of. Yeah.
0: You can also share a bed in Animal Crossing, but you both just lay there on your backs. You can't make out or anything because you know right. it's a children's they game. They
3: gotta keep it, yeah. They gotta <laughs> keep it safe for the kiddies. <laughs> All right, this one comes from Amanda, who says started dating a guy less than two months before quarantine began. We've been keeping in touch by text and occasional Facetime, but it's weird to think we've been apart for longer than we dated. We intend to date then again once we're able to see each other again. I feel like it's almost easier to believe we have a future since we aren't in a serious relationship beforehand because it's not terribly heartbreaking to not see each other for so long. We aren't committed. It was casual so far, so it's not a giant loss, if that makes any sense. I think it would be more emotionally taxing if we decided to be in a full-fledged relationship before having to separate IDK. Looking forward to seeing him again, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it all comes down to your personal preference and how you know, you navigate these types of things. But I think Amanda, it sounds like you've done a really good thing for yourself by setting that boundary. Yeah, right? Cuz it takes the pressure off the situation, so when you do talk to each other, it's not like nobody has a secret agenda, hopefully. Um and yeah, it, it sounds like you're on the same page. That's great.
0: This final ones from Sean. I met a guy online at the end of March and we got to know each other by texting and FaceTiming a bit over the next two months or so. He was not working because of the pandemic so we would text pretty much all day. Isn't that great? At the beginning of a relationship, you text all day. Like, there's so much to talk about. Just this never-ending. It's so exciting. It's it's the best. It's a whole new world. Anyway, (laughs) he says, against my better judgment, I broke quarantine and social distancing to hang out with him one evening after I got off work. He came to my house. We took my dog for a walk. And then I made dinner and we watched some Netflix together. I made this unwise decision because I've never dated before. And I was worried that if I didn't agree to get together, he would lose interest in me by the time it is safer to do so. He acknowledges the virus exists, but does not believe there's some kind of conspiracy behind it, though. I haven't asked for more details than that because I know better. I'm not feeling super optimistic about the potential of a relationship with him, but I think things would be easier to figure out if it weren't for social distancing in the pandemic, because we'd be able to get together more. I wouldn't feel bad, Sean, about breaking quarantine just to go on the date. Um, He's, he's not working right now. So it sounds like he's not going out as much and, I presume you've been taking the precautions that you need, and I find it very sweet that he's never dated before, and he decided (laughs) quarantine's a great time to start.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would just say, um, and you know this, Sean, but like the podcast mother in me has to come out and say this, Um, if he loses interest in you because you believe science is real and you believe what the experts have been telling us about this pandemic, then he's not good enough for you.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, so if anybody has any stories about dating during quarantine, please let us know. We asked Pam because Pam's on the market, but you haven't been dating, right?
3: No, I haven't. Um, But I think that I would be too much of a nervous Nelly to date during quarantine anyway because Mm -hmm. I don't, put a lot of faith in people even like the smartest people i know sometimes don't think it's that big of a deal to go meet up or like towards the beginning to go meet up with other friends but then it's like but you don't know what their roommates are doing so you're not just cross-contaminating with one person right. you're cross-contaminating with like mm-hmm. six I'm like what are they do? anyway
0: yeah yeah so but you're not on any dating apps right now
3: um, not actively at the moment. Okay. We talked about this in the um in the Slack. I was gonna do some swiping and take one for the team, but it turns <laughs> out at some point I deleted my Twitter. I mean, not my Twitter, my uh my Tinder, Tinder.
0: profile. So, <laughs> oh, you did. You got really yeah. angry right the, one night.
3: Fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> Pro- probably, and then I just like never bothered.
0: <laughs> yeah. Download I, I don't know. Did I say this on the show? I would love being on Tinder during quarantine right now because there's no pressure to get together together when i'm dating i wait so long before going on that first date i want to stretch it out as long as possible it's usually not me who says hey you want to meet in person it's usually them because i just i love talking online you can just flirt with people over tinder it's a lot of fun and get to know people
3: yeah, it's really easy yeah
0: yeah so i think it's mm-hmm. a great time to be on tinder
3: it probably <laughs>
0: is seriously <laughs> now if they were to ask me to hang out i i probably would grill them i'd probably say. Have you been staying at home? Do you live with other people? Have any of you had COVID? It's quite possible.
1: It's like the new, do you wear
3: condoms? Yeah. Right, right. Have you been tested recently, but for COVID?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bring proof. (laughs) Bring your used swab. But like I've said, I think I brought this up like two months ago at this point. We still see my downstairs neighbors. We still hang out with them from time to time. They're out and about. One of them goes to work. One of them is working from home. But I just figure if we're sharing the same uh, stairwell, chances are we would catch it anyway. So why not hang out with them since we're living in the That makes sense
3: for an apartment complex. I'm in a house right now, so like I'm not seeing like literally anybody unless I'm going grocery shopping.
0: Right, right. Same. All right. So let's move on to recommendations. I
1: wanted to recommend Fulton Street Books and Coffee. This is a bookstore in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a Black woman-owned bookstore, and I wanted to recommend it for a couple of reasons. Primarily, it's focused on the idea of building community, also social justice and literacy, Um, so all things that we can get behind. And they have such a vast selection of books that you can order. I'm trying to break the habit of ordering books through Amazon, um, as I start That's cracking good. down on on my Amazon addiction. Um, <laughs> so I had some books that, you know, I wanted to get so that I can become better educated. And looking at some other independent bookstores, it was really hard to find one place that had everything I was looking for. But Fulton Street Books and Coffee did. So highly recommend them. Uh, their website is FultonStreet918.com.
0: I want to recommend We're Here. This is a new HBO docu-series in which three drag queens, I th- yeah, all three of them were on RuPaul's Drag Race, but this has nothing to do with RuPaul. Um, they head into small towns across America, and they give people their first drag makeovers. And the people they make over, they're looking to improve themselves in some way or another, and the queens are using the power of drag to change them for the better. It's kind of like Queer Eye, but it's a little deeper to me and i am just loving this in my opinion and this might piss off some gays i think it's better than anything ruPaul has ever produced and like i said it's on hbo we're here it's a it's an hour long each episode only six episodes but they are a dense hour it's funny it's inspiring and it's enlightening and they're they're making over people from all walks of life and just really good stuff, so please watch this it's a, It's a feel good show and also an educational show in a lot of ways.
3: I wanted to recommend a movie called "The Half of It on Netflix," which came out a few weeks ago, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people listening have already seen it. but I just got around to it, and it was really, really, really good. It focuses on a chinese American girl in high school who's really introverted and she kind of just keeps to herself and you know just spends a lot of her time studying but she ends up getting strapped for cash so she agrees to start writing love letters for this football player who's in love with this girl but it turns out that she's also in love with the girl so the character dynamics are really really great like across the board and it's it was such an enjoyable watch so if you're looking for something that is you know um telling a story about a queer woman then i would recommend watching that especially since it's june and it's pride month
0: yeah yeah exactly i want to strive to make lgbtq recommendations throughout the month so we'll see if i can keep that up you can watch next week i just recommend some stupid bullshit that has nothing to do with pride month (laughs) (laughs) i love oreo cookies (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, maybe they have pride theme packaging,
0: and you're yeah. like, see, look. Rainbow filling.
1: <laughs> what was There was one year on this show during Pride Month where we opened every episode by, like, yelling happy Pride. Did we? <laughs> yeah, I think mean, we need to bring that back.
0: <laughs> yeah, that may have stemmed from, I had this joke with my friends in L.A. where we would just always say happy Pride, like, every moment of the day. Happy Pride, happy Pride. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. If you have any feedback, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form on millennialshow.com. Like we said, we just hit a milestone on Patreon, and instead of celebrating it, we're just going to mark the occasion by making a donation to the Emergency Release Fund. And like I said, their mission is to ensure that no trans person at risk of injury or death in New York City jails remains in detention before trial. And Laura, what are we talking about again in after dark today? We're going to
1: be talking about how we reconcile being Harry Potter fans with the fact that j k Rowling has uh j k. Rowling's been trash lately,
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, we've had a long running relationship with the fandom, so it's it's something that we have to figure out not only as fans but as people who also podcast about mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Some people were able to flip off that interest in j k. Rowling like a switch and personally it's taken me more time to do that so we can talk about how some people were so quick to do Mm -hmm. it versus people who needed a little time to digest it all sorry so that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial i'm looking forward to talking about that
1: yep me too
0: thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew
1: i'm laura and i'm pamela goodbye
0: i wanna take you to there another verse it's like i've got something to put in you
1: yep. <laughs> some- andrew that was our theme song one summer <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think i originally heard that song on a podcast one of the first podcasts i started listening to nobody likes onions or maybe it was on Queers folk i don't know but yeah that's an iconic song by electric six
1: yep The music video is like three dudes dressed as Abraham Lincoln.
0: (laughs) I like how you've seen the music video. I didn't know there was one.
1: Yes. Oh, (laughs) my God. (laughs)